Well, um, biblical encouragement this morning. Biblical encouragement, and uh, I'm uh, I'm excited to, to teach it to you. Um, here's what we're not talking about. Um, when you when you hear encouragement, I don't know what comes to your mind, but let me just say what we're not talking about is. Dude, I love your motorcycle, right? We're not talking about, girl, do you do something different to your hair? It looks so good. We're not talking about that, right? We're talking about more than, more than just flattery. We're not talking about, mom, you're the best. You're so great. It's not just flattery. We're talking about biblical I- encouragement, and it runs so much deeper than, than flattery. And, and so we're going to look at that uh, this morning. And, and one church in the Bible that, that flattery... Um, was, it was so much more than flattery for them, this thing we call encouragement. Um, one church in the Bible is, is the, the, the church of Thessalonica, or Thessaloniki. Um, and uh, Paul planted this church back in Acts chapter 17. Sometime later, he writes this letter to them, um, First and Second Thessalonians. And so why don't you go ahead and start flipping in that direction? It's not one that maybe you're super familiar with. It's not the gospel. It's not the Psalms, Proverbs, um, so it's, it's, it might take you a little while longer to get there. So go ahead and flip there. First uh, Thessalonians, and uh, we'll be there. I'm kind of bouncing around this morning. Uh, he planted this on a second missionary journey um, with his partner ministry, Silas. And now he's writing this letter back to them. And, and encouragement really is a mark of the, the church of Thessalonica. Um, in fact, here's how we know that it's, it's become a mark of this church. Look at First Thessalonians 5.11. 1 Thessalonians 5.11. We'll put it up, up on the screen for you here. Here's what he says to them. He says, Encourage one another and build up one another just as you are doing. And so what Paul does here is he does just a really important practice for any leader, whether it be a spiritual leader, a coach, a teacher. This practice is this, is that you find the strengths in other people, you point out those strengths so that they can know those strengths, and then they can, can capitalize on them. And so that's what Paul's doing here. And so last week we started this series that we're calling the One Another series. And we're, what we're doing is we're, we're looking at this, this word, one another, and we're really applying it to ourselves. We're, we're, we're looking at how, how do we function as a, as a biblical church, as a, as a Christian community, and, and working on that. And this, this phrase, one another, is, is one word in the... Uh, in the, the Greek, and it's uh, this word alelon, and it's translated one another or each other, and it appears over 40 times in the New Testament, 23 or 24 different commands of those 40 plus times, and here we see it again in, in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, he says what? He says, encourage one another and build up one another just as you also are doing. And so I guess for starters, let me just say this. Here's what I'm saying to you. Is, is, is like Paul, I'm saying you are doing it. He says that just like you're, you're doing. You're doing it. And I say that to you. You, you are doing it. But I, I do want to say, like Paul, keep it up and let's, let's grow. Uh, we looked at this. Flip to the left a little bit. 1 Thessalonians 4, 9, and 10. Uh, this is uh, one we looked at uh, last week as well. 4, 9, and 10. Here's what Paul says. We'll, we'll, we'll read it together. 4, 9, 10. He says, Now, concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. And so again, like Paul, I'm telling you, you're doing it. I, I've seen you. You're, you're loving people. You're caring for people. You're, you're stepping out. And, and, and I really believe that, that we're doing it here. Uh, but, 
but here's, here's one thing that we need to know. Is that um, this thing that we, we call contentment, it's really important for us to be content with what we have. Everybody's freaking out about the economy right now. We need to be content, but I do want to say this. Let's not confuse that with our faith. We, we are not to be content with our faith. We are to always be wanting more. We're to always be wanting to grow and to go deeper and become more and more uh, conformed into Christ's likeness. And so here, Paul says, listen, I want you to grow. I want you to love more and more and more. No matter where you're at, don't look at the person next to you. Where are you at and how can you grow more? How can, how can you love more frequently? How can you love more, more sacrificially? More and more, as the NASB Bible says, excel still more. And so throughout this, this, this whole New Testament uh, letter and, and throughout really the entire New Testament, the authors are, are constantly unpacking what does it mean to love the way Christ loved us. We talked about that last week. Love the way Christ loved us. The New Testament is constantly talking about how do you do that. And, and, and what you're going to find as you really study that throughout the New Testament is, is really the, the number one way that we are called to love the way Christ loved us is through this thing we call encouragement. And 110 times we find that main Greek word that's translated encouragement in the New Testament. And uh, so what we know is that encouragement is a really, really big deal to us as Christians. A really big deal in the Christian faith. And, and, and really we see throughout this book, encouragement is on Paul's mind. It's this major theme. So what I want to do is I want to give, for starters, just an overview of encouragement as seen in the book of First Thessalonians. So we'll do a little little finger exercise here. We'll get our fingers worked out here. So um, let's do some flipping. First Thessalonians two, eleven and twelve. We'll also put it on the screen if your uh, fingers feeling a little out of shape here. First uh, Thessalonians two, eleven and twelve. Here's what Paul does. He reminds them of the ways that he conducted himself when he was around them back in Acts uh, seventeen. Here's what he says, verse eleven. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and and glory. And so here's what Paul says. Remember, I I taught you uh, about encouragement by my example and how I encouraged you. And so he says, remember that. When I was with you, I want you to remember that and I want you to, to imitate me. Now, First, First Thessalonians 4.18, here's what he says. First Thessalonians 4.18, he's, he's, he's coming off this, this time where he's been teaching them about the death of Christian loved ones and, and that they will be reunited with them one day in the Lord. And, and some of them had even lost Christian loved ones since Paul last saw them in Acts 17. And so he closes out that teaching on being separated and reunited with Christian loved ones with First Thessalonians 4.18. He says, therefore, so in light of that, encourage one another with these words encourage one another with these words he's talking about the bible encourage one another with the bible and encourage one another with the words that i've just told you that god's coming and it's all going to end all of the pain that you're you're feeling if you're you're trusting in christ it's going to end now look at first thessalonians 5 11 first thessalonians 5 11 he's talking about that kind of community uh, that they're to have the relationships that they're to have that as we talked about last week the the love that we share with one another really displays to the world the reality of, of Christ. That's why John 17 says, uh, the world will, will know that I am sent by God. Jesus says this. The world will know that I am sent by God 
because of your love for each other. So our love for each other displays the reality of God to the world. So coming off of, of some of that, he says, I want, because of that, your, your love and your speech to be full of, of mutual encouragement. So here's what he says. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another just as you are doing. And so we, we've read that earlier. Again, do it. You're already doing it. Now, last one. Um, here's what he says. First Thessalonians 5.14 now. 5.14. Here's what he says. We urge you, brethren, to admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. And so here's the thing. As we read this letter, we're starting to see just how encouragement takes shape in different forms. And, and you see that. You can't miss it. Paul is just deeply deeply into encouragement. It's an essential part of Christian living, and it's not just flattery. And so we've got to really think deep on this this morning and, and see, okay, how do, I, how do I receive it? How do I live it out? How does it take uh, shape in, in, in my life? And so we're going to kind of work on that, and we'll dig a little deeper. So here's the first way I want to dig is by talking about what, what in the world is encouragement. What is, what is encouragement? Well, the, the Greek word, as I alluded to earlier, uh, for encouragement, uh, most commonly translated encouragement is this word parakaleo. And so we'll, ref- we'll refer to that a few different times in the course of our uh, teaching. And this is going to be less preachy and more teachy this morning. And, and uh, it's, it's translated different ways sometimes in our Bible. Primary word here, parakaleo. And here's what it means. It means to, to call alongside of you. To call alongside. So it would be like a, like a military term in that day. Uh, to call alongside, to call in the reinforcements. You need help. Call them in. And, and so it came to, to be known to mean in the Greek language to come alongside, that I would, I, would pericol- I, would, I would encourage you. I would come alongside of you if you're experiencing opposition, if you're experiencing uh, uh, weakness, fatigue. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to build you up. I'm going to stand behind you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to support you as you're, you're about to, to fail, and, and I'm going to give aid. And, and so I don't know if you've been there, but I've certainly been there time and time again, a place in my faith where I need reinforcements. Anybody ever been there? You need help. You need support. You, you need the troops to come in and help you. Or you're just going to, bam, you're just going to, you're going to fall. And so here's, as I read this, this letter of First Thessalonians, for me, the most convicting part about this letter is the fact that, that throughout the entire entire uh, book of First Thessalonians and really throughout the entire New Testament, the, the Christian's need for periclesis or encouragement is assumed. Have you ever noticed that? Like it is absolutely assumed that you will be under pressure. You will experience opposition if you're living for Jesus. So for me, that's the most convicting part about this whole thing is that the Bible says you will if you're living for Jesus. Is that you? Are you really living the kind of radical faith where you're experiencing opposition, it's tough, it's, it's, it's hard. Or for you, is it smooth sailing? And the Bible says, well, in that case, I don't know, because if you're a Christian, it's assumed that it's going to be very, very tough. And, and so one thing, as is, is I've, I've shared with you time and time again, is if you're a Christian, you've got to know that, that by following Jesus, you have not bought into something that, that makes life just flat out easier. You've not bought into something that will, will just rid you of tribulation and, 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 and difficulty and opposition. In fact, Jesus says, in this world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And so we need to, we need to know that, that, that we're going to face difficulty. It's part of being a, a follower of Jesus, but we don't have hope in this life only. We have eternity to look forward to, and we have uh, a God who wants to strengthen us and support us and encourage us. In, in, in 
this moment in this life to do what he's called us to do. And so I, I, let me do this. Let me give you a, a definition of biblical encouragement. We'll put it up on the screen. It's the definition of, of biblical encouragement. And, and uh, here's what it says. When God's people communicate God's truth and hope in ways that strengthen others to follow God's will for their lives. You got that? Let's, let's think through it a little more slowly. When God's people, that's us, communicate. That means we actually got to speak, right? Communicate God's truth and hope in ways that strengthen others to follow God's will, what he wants for them, for their lives. And so we need to, we need to know that. We need to understand that. We'll unpack that a little bit. But where does it, where does it really start from? Where does this thing, encouragement, uh, really start from? I, I want you to know that, that it starts with God, that God is the source of all encouragement. See, I think a lot of people have this idea that God is the, the God of all discouragement, right? Like he's the, the great white, you know, haired, white robe wearing guy in the, in, the, in the clouds with lightning bolts in his hands and he just wants to zap you, right? And he's kind of this God of all discouragement. That's, a lot of people have that, but he is the God of all encouragement we we a lot of times in our our culture we have this idea that god is never happy with you he's never satisfied and and god's i'm the god of all encouragement i i i want to encourage your heart i want to i want to bring joy to your life and if you'll follow me with everything there's there's deep rooted joy in that and so our god is an encouraging god you might want to write this reference down Uh, it's it's second Corinthians 1 3 and here's what it says second Corinthians 1 3 Paul says this he says blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ the father of mercies and the God of all comfort same word uh, encouragement the God of all encouragement that same word again and so think about this God's the God of all encouragement how about Jesus the the son of God on on the night of his uh, his arrest as the, the disciples are just wrestling with it, the shock and the pain of what Jesus says is about to happen. Here's what Jesus says in John 14, uh, 16. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, or encourager, comforter, uh, parakletos, that he might be with you forever. And so we have God the Father sends Jesus the comforter. So God's the God of all comfort. Jesus is the God of comfort. Then he says, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to send you another comforter who's going to be with you forever. And so please just know, God's the source. God is the source, and he's deeply concerned with encouragement. He's deeply concerned with that. And then know that, that, that God now, his primary way to dispense encouragement to us is through each other. I mean, that's, that's a big piece that we need we need to know is that, that God loves to, to encourage you directly, but he also loves to encourage you through each other, through his people. And, and, and so maybe you're thinking right off the bat, you're like, I don't know. I've had some Christians in my life that are completely the opposite of encouragement. I mean, there's absolutely discouragers in my life. And I, I want to say this to that, that there's, there's probably one of two things happening here. I'd say, listen, if, if, if God sends us the Holy Spirit who's, who is the encourager, and if we're living in the, 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 the Spirit and we're walking in the Spirit, then we're going to be an encouraging people. So if you're finding that you have some Christians in your life that are just discouraging the mess out of you, one of two things. One is they're not walking in the Spirit. Or two, think back to when we talked about the fear of man. Two, it might be on you. It might be on you that maybe they're, it's not that they're being discouraging. It's that they're, they're encouraging you in a different kind of way. It's called exhortation. And, and they're calling you to, to live a life of holiness, of faithfulness and godliness. And maybe you have this fear of man issue. 
And, and so really it's not on them, it's, it's, it's on you. And you need to uh, receive some criticism and you need to repent and grow. And so think about it in that way. But God loves to encourage us through his people. Think about it this way. Here's, here's another example in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Um, here's, here's what Paul says. He says, God who comforts or encourages, right, parakaleo, comforts the depressed, comforted us by the coming of Titus. So Paul says, we were, we were encouraged by this guy Titus that God used. God comforted us through the coming of, of Titus. And so uh, Christ is the head of the church, loves to encourage us, but he loves to encourage us through each other. That would be me encouraging you, you encouraging each other, you encouraging me. It's, a, it's this thing. We need to take that responsibility and say, how can I get, I can get better at that. Now, that's a little bit of a definition, a little bit of a background. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to look at the different faces of encouragement as, as seen in the Bible. Because encouragement takes on a few different forms. Uh, just like we can be discouraged in, in different ways, um, we can also be encouraged um, in, in some different ways. And so I'll, I'll give you the four up front. And then we'll go through them one by one, all right? The first one is affirmation. The second one is praise, then consolation, and then exhortation. But let's, let's go through them one at a time. Let's look at affirmation. They're all very similar, but they all really give off this idea about strengthening someone who's under pressure, strengthening someone who is uh, really feeling it. Um, but they're, they're different. And so the first one is affirmation. It's affirming those who don't see uh, their value and their potential affirmation and so i've I've, some of you have shared this with you before uh, but i think the best biblical example of this is in john chapter one Um, in john chapter one we have the the first meeting of jesus and peter you guys know peter he becomes the the leader among the uh disciples then uh, apostles and uh, what happens is is jesus meets um andrew peter's brother and, and Andrew is just kind of stunned with, with this guy, Jesus. And so he runs and he gets his, his brother, Peter. And uh, he says, Peter, I think we found the Messiah. I mean, you've got to come and meet this guy, right? And so, so Peter comes to, to meet this guy that Andrew's talking about. And it says that as, as, as Peter comes to, to, to Jesus, uh, chapter 1, verse 42 of, of the book of John says that right when they lock out, it says Jesus looked at him. We can kind of read that at face value and say, okay, yeah, Jesus looked at him. Of course, he's this crazy guy running towards him. But this word looked in the original language uh, really gives off this, this different kind of, um, kind of meaning than just looked. It, it really means that he, he gazed intently at him. It actually kind of means that he looked into him. He really, upon looking at him, knew about him, knew about his heart. He didn't just say, okay, there's a guy, brown hair, blue eyes, whatever. No, he said, I, I know him as I look at him, look into him with discernment. And, 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 and in the gospel accounts, the only other time that we, we see this, this word for looked used is uh, in another meeting with Peter, another occasion where Jesus looks at Peter. And here it is. It's, it's the night sometime later of, of Jesus' arrest. And it says that, um, you remember the story, Jesus says, you're all going to bail on me. And remember what Peter says? I don't know, Jesus. I mean, all these losers over here, but me, I will never, I'll never bail on you. I'm with you forever, even to the point of death. I'll never bail on you. And what does Jesus say? Oh, no. Before the, the rooster crows, three times you're going you're gonna to deny me. And, and sure enough, what happens? He does it. Just some time later, he denies the Lord, even though Jesus said, here's what's going to happen. The third time, he denies him so emphatically that he denies him with cursing. 
He says, may God send me to hell if I ever even knew the man. Something along those lines. I mean, that's intense. That's, that, that's, that's Peter we're talking about. And it says that at the very moment when Peter says, may God send me to hell if I ever even knew the man, you know what happens? Here comes Jesus being ushered out of a trial. And what happens? It says Jesus looks at him. There's that word look again. It's the beginning and at the end. Jesus looked at him with uh, discernment looked intently into him, and here Jesus looks at him with discernment and looks intently in him, and Peter remembered what Jesus has said, and he wept bitterly. But here, their initial meeting, John chapter 1, 42, here's what he says when he, when he looks at Peter. Here's what he says, affirmation. He says, you are Simon. That was his, his name, uh, Simon. You are Simon, but you shall be called Cephas, uh, also uh, known to us as, as Peter, so he says, you are Simon. Let's think about that. In those days, your name preferably described you. It, it really meant something. It really described you. And, and so the, the name Simeon in the Old Testament or, or, or Simon really was connected with this idea of instability. It was connected with this idea of being wishy-washy, of, of being uh, kind of a vacillating person. And so Jesus looks at him and says, you are Simon. In other words, he's saying, Dude, you have a name that fits you. I mean, that's right on. Your mom got it right. That's, that's good, right? And, and, and if you know anything about Peter, that's totally true, right? You know Peter's story? I mean, walking on water, sinking, right? This, this instance that we just looked at, I will never deny you, Jesus. And sure enough, he denies you. Or how about the time when Jesus says, who do people say that I am? Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, right? So beautiful, so profound. He got it right. And then just a couple of moments later, you know what Peter does? He pulls Jesus to the side and starts to rebuke Jesus. How dare, no, we're not going to do this. Starts to rebuke Jesus, whereas just before he said, you're the Christ, you're God, you're the Son of God. Just crazy. This is, this is, this is Peter. He's very wishy-washy. And so Jesus says in this initial meeting, he's like, you got the right name. He says, however, you shall be called Cephas, Peter, which means rock, stability, um, firmness. You're, you're going to be... Peter, but you are right now. You got the right name, my man. And, and I think it was at that moment that, that Jesus looked into Peter and says, here's who you will be. I think at that moment, that's when, that's when Jesus won Peter's heart. That's, finally, he had somebody who looked at him, knew him, all his weaknesses, all his sins, all of his struggles, all the junk that he, he's been in, all the junk that he's in, even at that very moment. And Jesus says, I got a vision for your life. I got a plan for your life. It is going to blow your mind. And, 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 and man, I tell you what, in our lives, there are people who, who are, are in the spot of investigator. Like, I don't know, this whole Jesus thing. I'm still kind of thinking through that a little bit. But I tell you this, I think deep down, and, and everybody's heart is this desire to have somebody who really knows them, really knows them, I mean, everything, but still loves them and still says, you're going to make it. I, I've got a plan for, for your life. I've got a vision for your life. I know uh, what's going to come, and it's going to be powerful. And so that's what Jesus does with Peter. That's called affirmation. He, he looks at him and says, we've got something for you. Um, I, I know who you're designed to be and who you can be if you will live um, for me. And so Jesus really pushes Peter to uh, the proper direction to live out the will of the Lord. And, uh, man, some of you in this room can even testify to that. You can say, man tell you what i never thought i could be where i am at right now man god just 
man, he just, he just brought me here. It's incredible. And, uh, and, and for me, I, I'll give you an example of how that kind of worked in, in my life. When I was, a, when I was a senior in high school, just a high school punk, you know, um, I, um, my pastor my church called me into his office, and I'm thinking, oh, no, <laughs> what did I do? He wants to have a special meeting with me. I've never had a special meeting with a pastor before. And so I'm thinking, I'm racking my brain. What did I say? What did I do? Who did I, you know, who did, whose toes did I step on? I don't even know what I did. Did my mom call him in? Like, you're being an awful son. I don't know. And, and so I sit down, and he says, uh, Josh, um, I just want to let you know that uh, I really feel like God is shaping you for pastoral ministry what and, and he sat me down and told me that and he, he he saw something in my life and spoke into that and affirmed that and then he went so far as to say and what i want to do is i want to give you a budget of ten thousand dollars and this summer you take that ten thousand dollars and you do whatever ministry god's put on your heart i'm like how about the college fund ministry <laughs> about to go into college no i and so what we ended up doing is starting a ministry to um kids in the projects of atlanta with that that money and it was an, a powerful thing in my life and here we are now today connected to the washington street projects and serving there as well i tell you what he did was affirmation he said i see something you might not see it yet but i just want to tell you i'm looking past all the junk i'm, I'm looking past the time that deacon Derek broke you and this kid chris up while you're in a fight the first time i ever punched somebody right in the face i was in a fight and a deacon pulled, said, i'm gonna look past that and I'm going to tell you that I see something in your life. It's affirmation. And, and so I want to encourage you, affirmation, affirmation. Speak into people's life. It's a beautiful form of, of encouragement. Powerful stuff. Here's the next one. We're moving a little faster now. The next form is, is praise. Now, we're not talking giving people the place of God by any stretch. We're talking about praising those people who are taking some scary steps of, of faith. You ever, you ever known a parent who's trying to help their kid do something? Like they're trying to help their kid learn to walk or something? It's just ridiculous what we do as parents when we're trying to teach our kid how to walk. We just, we're screaming for them. We're, you got this, buddy. When we're really taking a step, it's not all that impressive. But we're just screaming at the top of our lungs, excited for them. I remember when, uh, when Isaiah first was learning how to walk, we were on a family vacation um, to um, the Outer Banks of North Carolina. My my family was in town from Georgia and we all met in in North Carolina on the beach there and we're all hanging out and one kind of strategic thing don't don't tell my parents we I told you this but one strategic thing that we like to do is if we know the kids are moving towards some big mile mark like taking a step or saying a first word we don't push it until you know if we know a vacation or sometime we're going to see them is coming since they live out of state and the, my in-laws live in state we'll kind of save it for when my parents get around so they can experience some of the big moments since they live so far away and so we knew that he was getting close to walking we waited till vacation then on vacation we pushed them right said you got this buddy and and sure enough we're screaming at the top of our lungs come on buddy you got this and he he walked and he walked. I mean, big whoop. We're all walkers, right? Not a big deal. Every kid walks around that age. But I'm telling you, we were screaming, you got it. That, that's, that's praise that pushes him into the right direction so that he can live out, as this says, spiritually, God's will for your life, right? And so we praise him in, in that end. Today, it takes shape in the form of little pep rallies that we hold in the bathroom for Luca as he's potty training. You got this. You got this. You got this. Kerplunk. Yes. And we just, we're screaming for him, you know, and, and it's goofy. It's ridiculous, but it's so, it's so important. I don't want Luca to be in high school and not potty train, so I'm cheering hard right now. So um, 
these guys, the Thessalonian church, they were very young, very young in their faith. They were, they were new believers and baby Christians, and they're making mistakes, they're falling, they're failing, they're getting back up, they're growing, they're, they're being stretched. And, and, and so what does Paul do? In light of that, he encourages them, he praises them. And, and remember, he says things like, as we read already in, in some of these Thessalonian verses, he says, you're doing it, keep it up. You're excelling, but excel still more. He's, he's really cheering for them. And in fact, look, now look at uh, 1 Thessalonians 1, 2 through 8. I mean, check this out. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, 2 through 8. Here's, here's what he says to them, to this, this young baby church taking some steps. Listen to this praise. He says, We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because, of our, go- because our gospel came to you, not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. He's alluding back to Acts 17 when they started this church. He says, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction. So they're going through persecution with the joy of the Holy Spirit so that you became an example to all the believers in all Macedonia and Achaia. Wouldn't that be awesome? Charles River Church, you became an example to New England, the way you were living out your faith. I mean, just incredible Incredible stuff here. Verse 8. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and in Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we, have, we, we need not say anything. We'll stop there. I mean, is that a compliment or what? You guys are awesome. You're doing it. You're killing it. It's just incredible. I mean, just really praising these, these guys. And let me tell you, for young, weak Christians... We've got to learn to encourage them. We've got to learn to really be on their team. We've got to be on the sidelines, really shouting it out for them. Um, I'm telling you, when they, when they take those steps of faith, it's hard. I mean, things that to us might be like, that's easy. But for, for young Christians, whether they're new in the faith, whether they're young in age or young in the faith, there's some steps that for them are, are big, scary steps. And we need to learn to praise those and, and say, man, that's awesome. Way to go. Press on. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Maybe it's they're, 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 they're opening their mouths about Jesus at school. That's awesome. Keep it up. Maybe it's for the first time in the office they're talking about the Lord. Praise him. That, that, keep it up. It's, it's a big deal. Maybe they tithed for the very first time and it's just horrifying. Keep it up, man. Just cheer them on. Jesus did it in Mark chapter 12. You know the story of the widow, right? The widow's might. And, and Jesus is sitting at the, at the, the temple treasury, and he's, he's observing what's going on. And people are walking by and putting money into the treasury. And, uh, and you've got to understand that it says that they drop in many coins, which means when they drop in the coins, it's ching It says rich people are coming by and putting large amounts of money in. So it's really loud. And this one woman comes by, this, little, this widow, and ding, ding, just next to nothing she puts in into the uh to the offering what does jesus do as soon as she does that jesus pops up and calls his disciples to himself guys get over here you've got to see this and they're like what what's going on this woman right here gave more than anybody else did they're scratching their heads like what she gave more than anybody else did because she gave everything she had they just gave out of their surplus a lot of money, but out of their surplus, compared to what they really make, it's nothing. She gave everything that she had 
to live on. And what he did is he praises this woman for taking a scary step of faith. It was scary because she, if she put everything she had to live on, how is she going to feed herself and her kids tomorrow? She gave it all? Jesus says, that's awesome. That's, that's incredible. Incredible. And uh, I tell you what, I tell you, um, I, I, I'm going to imagine that the next time she had to do something scary in her faith, I bet her mind went back to Jesus would think this is awesome. I'm going to press on. I'm going to press on. And uh, he praises her. And, and get, get this, he praises her in front of all those people, didn't he? It wasn't just like, hey, let me pull you to the side. Good job. He, he praised her in front of all those people, and no doubt her faith grew because of that. And so I tell you this, next time you catch somebody doing something powerful for the Lord or, or powerful for, for where they're at in their faith, encourage them by, by speaking about it, praising them. Better yet, praise them as Jesus did in front of, of other people. We know that we're not trying to put them in the place of God, but we're encouraging them along in their faith. And so that, that's a big, big thing. You've got to speak up. You can't just notice it and in your heart say, that's good. Tell them so it really is worth something for their faith as well. So we have affirmation, praise. Next one is consolation. Consolation. Now here's, here's what con- consolation is. Consolation is when you console those people who have just had the spiritual wind just knocked right out of them. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you're even there right now. Flip to 1 Thessalonians 5.14. We'll just read that one more time. 1 Thessalonians 5.14. Here's what he commands us. He says, We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak. We'll stop there. Notice he says, we urge you. We urge you. He attaches urgency to this as if they're not going to make it unless you help them. They're not going to make it unless you encourage them. So he says, we, we urge you, brothers, encourage, console the, the faint-hearted and the, and the weak. Now remember, in chapter 4, he, he's talked about how they have uh, been lo- losing Christian loved ones. They're going to be reunited. And so no doubt they've lost some people they love. And so no doubt they're spiritually struggling. They've had the wind just knocked right out of them. And so verse, verse 18 of chapter 5, he says, comfort one another with these words. And so one way to um, do this is to comfort people with these words, the words of, of Scripture and the truths that Paul's uh, been, been speaking of. And so we um, say, let me, let me just tell you what the Bible says. Uh, God wants to do. Let me tell you the promises of Scripture. Let me show you the character of God and, and, and comfort one another uh, with these words. And so maybe some of you even in this moment, man, you are, you are feeling it. You need some consolation uh, from the character of God, from the, the person of God who is the God of all comfort and encouragement, or maybe just from each other. You need it. Maybe you've, you're struggling a broken heart or the loss of a loved one or an economic struggle, struggle or a family struggle or some kind of opposition in your faith. And, and, and you need it. And, and, and it might just feel impossible when those things pile up one on top of the other, not just one at a time. And, and what we need is each other to step it up and, and, and to do it because Paul says, listen, it's, it's urgent that we do this kind of uh, biblical encouragement because some people might not make it unless we really help them out and encourage them in this way. We console them. And I tell you, life is, life is tough, but we need each other, and, and we've got to step it up and, and encourage one another in, in this way. And um, powerful, powerful thing. Comfort one another with these words. Here's the last one. The last one uh, is exhortation. Affirmation, praise, consolation, and then exhortation. Um, exhorting those people who are tempted uh, to give God less than their best. 
Maybe, maybe you've been here with a, a coach. Anybody played sports, high school sports or something like that, college sports? You ever had a coach who exhorts you at halftime? You ever had a coach who, who pulls you to the side and gets in your face? You better step it up, Wyatt. I totally remember those days. I was a wrestler. I remember him grabbing me. Yes, I had to wear spandex. And so I remember him grabbing me by the spandex and going, Wyatt, get your head. You know, the, the, the medic is like plugging my nose because my nose is bleeding or something. He's going, Wyatt, get your head in the game. Step it up. You're slack and you're not giving it 100%. You remember those days? That's what we're talking about here. Biblical exhortation. An emphatic challenge to somebody. An emphatic challenge. And, and it might be intimidating, just the, the thought of this to you. Uh, but man, we've got to challenge those people who are slacking in their faith. We've got to challenge them to step it up and we've got to challenge them to, to live for Jesus. Very, very important. See, it's, it's one thing to affirm. It's one thing to praise and, and, and to console. Because those things are kind of fun. You know, I, I, can, I mean, this is good. They receive it with a smile. They, they end it with, thank you. But this one is a whole other one, right? To exhort somebody. It's, it's difficult to say that I love you so much that I'm willing to have you be ticked off at me because I want to tell you what the Bible says you need to do. I want to tell you what the scriptures say um, is God's will. And uh, I tell you, uh, let me put it this way, real simply. If I had a chunk of food in my teeth and, and, and you didn't tell me, I would be ticked, right? I, I'd be ticked. And listen, if somebody's got like a spiritual why, they've got an issue going on, you've got you've to gotta tell them. Because they're walking around, maybe not even realizing how their life is, is living uh, outside of God's will from the scriptures. And you've got... To, to tell them, even though it might be painful to hear. It, it, it's embarrassing for me to hear that I got a chunk of food in my teeth. It's awkward for you to tell me that, right? But you need to do it, right? Please do it. Right? In the same, same light, it's, it's awkward for you to say, um, um, can we go out to coffee? And you sit down and you say, can, can, I, just, can I just point this out? Um, I, you know I love you, but it's awkward for you to do that. It's hard to do that. It's hard for them to receive it, but it's the right thing to do. And if we want people to, to grow in their faith and to thrive in the faith, then we've, we've got to do this. We, we've absolutely got to do this. Here's, here's one. You might want to write this one down. Proverbs 27, 5 and 6 says this. This is, this is a huge proverb. I love this. It's so true. It says, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Did you get that? Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Isn't that true? Like, it's easy for somebody to say, I love you, I love you, I care for you, I care for you. But when it comes time to say something difficult, they won't do it. Is that, is that really love? Is that really love? No. It's like, it's like me letting my child play out in the street. It's just foolishness. It's not love. It's not the loving thing to do. I'm going to be very stern to be like, get out of the street because I love him. It's because I love him. And that's the kind of faith um, we have to live. That's the kind of encouragement that we're talking about here. Exhortation. And uh, I'm telling you, we, we've got to be loving enough and willing enough to be the one who's used of God to tell somebody, it's time to step it up, get back into the race. And so those are the, those are the four forms of, of encouragement. And I would encourage you to uh, um, study those a little more, to um, really maybe even dig a little deeper, review some of these verses, read all of First Thessalonians. It's some powerful stuff. Um, and we really need to um, be mindful of how, how can we as Christians, how can we as people who are part of um, the body of Christ, how can we set ourselves up for um, biblical encouragement? And I was talking to some guys the other night at our um, 
our connection group in my house. I was telling about how a couple years ago, the last time I went to the Boston Marathon, right, our city's big uh, race that we love to, um, we love, that's our race, right? Um, I, a couple years ago, I was at the Boston Marathon, and I, I remember noticing for the first time um, that so many of these runners had their names written down their arm in Sharpie marker. <laughs> like, what is that? Just Bob. Jonathan, you know, people's names written down their arm. And it didn't take me long to realize we were at the, uh, we were at the, the, the last mile marker at Kenmore Square. We were cheering people on as they'd come there in the last stretch. It's probably one of the loudest spots in the, in the entire race other than, of course, the finish line. And, 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 and it was one more mile to go. And what I noticed is these people would run by. If they had their name on their arm, people would be screaming their name. You got it, Bob! Nobody knows Bob, but we see his name on it. Go, Bob. Push it, Bob. Or if, or if Sarah comes, you know, limping along, we're like, come on, Sarah. Pick it up. One more mile to go. And we're cheering her on. I remember one guy, this was hysterical. One guy runs by, dude, <laughs> written on his arm. So 26.2 miles. Go, dude. I, at Kenmore Square, thousands of people. You got it, dude. Press on, dude. It was, it was hysterical. And what I, what I, I say uh, that is for us to be thinking about the fact, how can we set ourselves up for encouragement? Those guys are setting themselves up. They, they knew I need somebody to scream my name so I can press on in the race. And how can we, as Christians, set ourselves up so that we're going to press on in the race? So that when it gets hard, that when it gets difficult, when it gets the, 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 the weight is upon us, the opposition, the tribulation that Jesus says will come is there. How, how can we set ourselves up so that we will press on? Let, let there be no doubt about it. It's coming. We've got we've to press on. And the way we do that is by setting ourselves up to receive and to give affirmation, praise, consolation, exhortation, these different forms of encouragement. And so for that to happen, uh, let me read you one last uh, scripture, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, 23 through 25, and we're done. Here's what he says. He says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, without wavering. For he who promises faithful, and let us consider how to stimulate one another towards love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging, there it is, parakaleo, encouraging one another, and all the more, all the more, as you see the day drawing near. So the, the, the call is this, be committed to this. Be committed to gathering together with other Christians. Be committed to that, because as we do that, we come together and we spur one another on towards love and good deeds, living the life that God's called us to so that we don't waver. And then we go out and live our faith. And then we gather again. And we scatter and we gather and we scatter. And we do that. We practice encouragement amongst each other. We're in desperate, desperate need of, of encouragement. So I pray that you'll give it and you'll receive it. Let me pray for us. Our Father, we love you so much. God, we, we thank you that you have set up your church such that that we are um, often the, the means to, to provide encouragement for the end, which is living a life of faithfulness to you for your glory. And so God, I pray that we as Christians would be willing to provide it in all these different forms, even the tough one, exhortation. And we'd be re- willing to receive it in all these different forms, even exhortation. And uh, God, as we think through what it means throughout the course of this series to, 
to, to, to live with one another, to love one another, to encourage one another. God, I pray that you would just help us to, to receive and to provide. That we wouldn't be a consumer church, but we'd be a sacrificial, giving, loving, caring church family. So God, uh, thank you for these truths. I just commit these things to you in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.